we get into the video, we'd like to announce that we have our very first sponsor, Zolandes. Zolandes offers brine field services and has the technology to speed up understanding of your lithium resources. We'll tell you more about them later, but until then, check out Zolandes.com. Welcome back to Rockstock Channel. It is Thursday, May 25th, and we are here with the new CEO, Keith Muller of Atlantic Lithium and Chairman Neil Herbert. We have had Atlantic Lithium on the podcast a couple of times, I guess, late last year. We had Len Koff, who was the interim CEO, one of the founders. We also had Stu Crow more than a year ago, who was director, remains a director. But the reason for doing this update now is that Keith was just appointed and Rodney just uh, issued an updated research note and fair value estimate that uh, is on our website. We've emailed it to our 7,500 subscribers. Um, and if you were a Patreon, you got it a bit earlier. So a couple of advertisements for ourselves here. Uh, please go to RK Equity's website and register your email so that you can always get, you know, research reports like, you know, Rodney's and our uh, almost every month lithium bull. And if you want to pull off the uh, Atlantic report, uh, it is up on the website. Please also subscribe to Rockstock channel. Click the like button if you like this video, comment if you have any comments. And of course, we do have Patreon sponsorships at $10, $100 and $300 tiers. Uh, visit patreon.com slash rockstock channel. And you can learn about the benefits there. So, Rodney's going to do the bulk of the questioning here. Uh, a couple more, just um, some representatives of Atlantic Lithium will be in Las Vegas at the Fast Markets Conference, which is, uh, I think, June 20th and 21st or 22nd. Rodney and I will be there. If any of you are there, please look out for us and for Atlantic. That is the flagship uh, industry conference of Fast Markets. And yeah, we had Len on right around the time that you listed on the ASX, right? So you're, you're listed on AIM. Uh, you're the former Iron Ridge resources. You've defined a very large resource that is similar to core and sigma in terms of you know, dense media separation. You're in that period. You've had very good exploration results, but you're kind of in that middle period in between exploration and in between production. Stocks often kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> go sideways, you know, during that period, during that period of time. But the valuation is, is, is very, very low. It appears, you know, the ASX listing was meant in part to kind of close that discount because as we always say aim is lame and the asx understand hard rock and your stock did well you know for a bit there was a short report that came out on piedmont lithium piedmont's fully recovered from that but you were collateral damage to some degree and haven't recovered from that we think that's an opportunity i don't know what i, I we'd like to hear what you're hearing from all the marketing you've been doing, because you've been doing a fair bit of that in Australia. And of course, you know, Keith, introducing yourself, you know, as, uh, you know, as CEO, you have great partners, Piedmont's a big shareholder, a private equity firm, Assor is a big shareholder. So with that, I guess, nice to see you again, Rodney, uh, why don't you fire away with, uh, I guess, you know, some questions, or maybe you want to summarize briefly Rodney, not too much. Uh, don't give everything away in your research note, but why don't you highlight some of the things in there for as a teaser uh, to, to get everyone to kind of read it and then go into your questions. Thanks, Howard. I mean, I, I guess as an overall outside of Atlantic specifically, I give quite a lot of information around cathode demand and uh, production and what that means to the lithium market and supply demand and also price forecasts. With that as a backdrop and us seeing 
a stronger for longer. And I think I have $2,050 a ton for long-term spodumen beyond 2030. So that correlates to with a reasonable margin about $30,000 a ton VAT inclusive for China, which I don't think is aggressive, but still above what Atlantic used in the pre-feasibility. So quite a lot of scope to uh, lift it. I think yours was, am I right, saying 1,359 as the That's right. Ton? It was the, the average life of mine, but our long-term pricing was $1,200 a trimetric ton. Right. So I'm substantially you know, higher than that. I'm two-thirds higher than that or a bit more. Um, so with that as, as the backdrop, with, you know, I think the other important thing that people keep forgetting is, yes, we think prices will be high, and generally that's the view. But lithium, whilst it is a specialty chemical, will have its ups and downs. And where you sit on the cost curve is important if you're going to, if you happen to go through short periods of uh, oversupply, which, you know, can can happen given it's hard to sync everything exactly. And then Atlantic is extremely well positioned, I think, on the cost curve, you know, that people don't really care because prices are likely to never be or unlikely to be back at um, marginal costs. But you guys will be re resilient, you know, right through the cycle. So I think that's something important you can chat about. And, um, and bottom line is, you know, only a fraction of the portfolio and mining license application has been explored. So it can be a gift that keeps on giving. It's a reasonably short mine life, but there's there's lots of upside. So with that, congrats to um, to Keith on your appointment. Um, if you can give us uh, some of your uh, background, we know you've got a history in, in lithium, which in production, which not many have, and and what attracted you specifically to Atlantic and coming on board? Sure, thanks, Rodney. Thanks for having us again. Uh, I guess if I start a little bit with my background, I'm a mining engineer by by profession. Uh, I've been uh, been in Australia now for just over twelve years. Been in underground platinum before that in South Africa, uh, but really what attracted me to lithium somewhere around 2018, 2019. Uh, at that stage, I was running an iron ore mine, um, and iron ore prices weren't looking too flash at that stage. And um, and spodumene was having a bit of a run. Uh, it was a false start, you know. It it, it very rapidly collapsed late 2019. But uh, it's at that stage where I made a decision that I want to get into into lithium. So it was very deliberate. Uh, didn't happen by chance. I was I was looking for an opportunity in lithium, and uh, opportunity at Mount Catlin came up. But at that stage, it was Galaxy Resources. Uh, so I joined the Mount Catlin team as general manager somewhere there, 2018, 2019, uh, and then overseeing that operation uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and, and more importantly, I think, you know, and you sort of mentioned it about being robust against the price cycles. Um, at that stage, I remember there was a point where we had 60,000 tons of 6.1 at the port of Esperance, and we, we couldn't sell it at cost. Um, you know, so so certainly I don't think we'll ever see those prices again. Uh, but, you know, we're not naive and we know that there's going to be cycles. And you've got to build a robust mine that can withstand that. Uh, so then when the merger happened with Galaxy and Orocobre, uh, there was a restructuring in the company. And then I took on the role as executive for the Australian operations, uh, looking after mainly Mount Catlin, but, you know, looking at other opportunities uh, in, in Western Australia uh, for Galaxy or 
Dan Orkem uh, and, and helping out with the James, James Bay design. Uh, then Neil and I met at Africa Down Under. Um, and at this stage, um, I was already researching Atlantic from a personal investment perspective. Um, and as a good chairman would, he put a hard sell on me. And um, um, I think I knew a lot more about the mind than what you probably thought I did. And, and I shared a bit of my thoughts of how I would do things different and, and what to look out for. And I guess that must have impressed him because it wasn't much later uh, he rang me up and said, I think we need to have a chat. So, yeah. So but, yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say we, we're, we're, we're delighted to have Keith on. I mean, uh, I was actually at a, a conference in the States um, only two weeks ago. And while I was there, somebody came up to me and said, Neil, there are only really five people who know how to run a spodumene lithium mine, and you have one of them. So I take that as a serious endorsement. Yeah. But let me talk a bit about Atlantic. Why did I, why did I decide to join uh, Atlantic? There's a couple of things that's important when you look at any spodium in mine, right? Logistics is always key. You know, a lot of the projects, uh, you know, our peers in West Africa is landlocked thousands of kilometers away from port. So from a logistics perspective, AWAYA is really well positioned. Uh, then probably more importantly is head grade and, and the continuity of the whole body. Um, you know, when we started in 2019, when the maiden resource was put out 14 and a half million tons, um, since then, we've grown now to 35 million tons and the head crate hasn't changed. You know, so that tells me a lot about the continuity. And probably more importantly, during that phase, not only has the resource grown, uh, but the measured and indicated component of the resource has proportionally grown as well. Um, at the moment, we're sitting with 80% in measured and indicated uh, at a 1.25% head grade. Now, you now 1.25 is not the best out there, uh, but it's quite respectable. Um, you know, that's at a 0.4% cutoff. So, so the head grade, the logistics, uh, the mineralogy, it's coarse grain spodumene. Um, probably can't ask for better, well defined. Um, so yeah, really excited about what's happening at Awaya. Just a a comment because we do make this comparable to Sigma in terms of mineralogy, but also Brian Talbot, who mm. worked at Mount Catlin, uh, moved over to be COO and is building the mine at Sigma. So. That's two of the five you mentioned, Neil, you know, who know what they're doing in the industry. But uh, to any viewers here who love Sigma, this is pretty much, you know, Brazil's a relatively new jurisdiction for lithium. You know, Ghana and Brazil, you know, risk are, you know, not dissimilar. In your report, Rodney, you mentioned Fraser Institute, you know, which is kind of like the gold standard of, you know, ranking sovereign risk for mining. And... I think you said Zimbabwe, the DRC, and Mali, which are three, which which are three African jurisdictions for spodumene, are at the very bottom of the Fraser Institute list. And and where did Ghana rank in that, Rodney? Second behind in, in, in Africa, it's second behind Botswana. Okay, um, so 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 second. Mali used to be, and it 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 dropped down, and I think uh, so again. Um, yeah, so but Ghana ranked very comparable to Catamarca and, and other parts of Arge, you know in Argentina and the provinces so it's um I think Ghana was even higher than Victoria in Australia I think I think this is a very important fact that people like generally don't like really fundamentally understand because I, th there's 
you know, Leo Lithium is trading at a very substantial discount as well. It's a it's a big project. We like that project. It's funded, partnered with Ganfeng. I think Canaccord has it as almost its like like top valuation pick, and they also cover you with very high upside as well. But I think Leo has had Leo Lithium has had more prominence. It's been around for a lot longer, but it's trading at such a huge discount because people fundamentally, you know, distrust Molly risk. Right. And Ghana is right next door. And the average person evaluating lithium companies really, you know, probably doesn't look at Fraser Institute rankings. They don't know. It's kind of like a, a gold benchmarking tool or, or a traditional base metals. So I just I think there therein lies a, a sovereign risk discount or perceived, you know, no one's differentiating. Right. So I think that's a uh something for i think i think an overriding thing and you know i'm sure the guys will ra raise it how it is the reality is for Iwoya is um it has a tarred sealed road to port and what have you if you look at what the infrastructure is it's a first it's a tier one infrastructure albeit in ghana is that fair to say guys it looks oh, absolutely like you know and it's not only just the infrastructure in terms of the haulage to port probably it's also uh, access to power, access to skilled labor, um, and the port know. as well. Yeah, I mean the port's got a the port's exporting at the moment somewhere around four million tons um, of manganese and bauxite. Uh, so they just installed a new shiploader, which was commissioned in somewhere around February this year, uh, and and that shiploader is only running at twenty to forty percent capacity. Um, you know, so they can they can put another six million tons. Uh, through that facility in the current infrastructure they have, uh, so it's and then we've got we've got access to that. And if if I look at a lot of the news releases, you seem to have a lot of interaction and engagement with the local community, and they seem to be very supportive. I know you're going to hire quite a lot, so have they? Are they fully supportive of the project? Are they behind it? We knew from the start, you know, so where I situated, it's a quite dense populated area. Um, we're far enough away that, uh, you know, we won't have a significant impact on the community, but also close enough uh, that we offer employment. So we'll employ on average about 600 people per year. Uh, and then we'll we'll peak at year seven, year eight, we will almost employ 900 people. Uh, and, and we envisage the bulk of that's going to come from the local community. At the moment, and we knew this from the start, you know, when we started with drilling at, uh, at Awoya, we knew that the community support is going to be vital in getting our licenses. So they've been pulled in right from the start. Um, I think the only complaints we're getting from them is that we're not moving fast enough. Um, you know, if they can see the mine being being built next week, uh, they would they would certainly enjoy that. Okay, great. Jumping in here from the editing room to tell you more about our very first sponsor, Zalandez. Zalandez provides services in subsurface data visualization, downhole geophysics, and DLE, direct lithium extraction. No matter where you sit in the lithium brine industry, Zalandez can help you speed up and improve your projects. Go to zalandez.com for more. You know, looking at the prospect of a higher mining, a larger mining throughput, you know, will mean higher capex. Um, but I'm sure at the NPV level, makes it makes complete sense. Certainly at my pricing, it would. In terms of how you guys are thinking about funding your share of that increased amount after Piedmont puts the initial in? 
So the, the capital increase we're expecting to see when the DFS comes out, the capital intensity is pretty much going to stay the same. Uh, so we're not going to see a, a large increase in capital intensity. Uh, we are adding a couple of things. I, I spoke before in the previous uh, release about a modular unit that we're installing. And really the reason for that is once we break ground, it's about a 12-month to 14-month period during construction uh, before we see spodumene concentrate uh, hitting the deck. So these modular units are prefab and being erected on site within a couple of weeks. You know, within six, seven weeks, we can have them up and running. Uh, so that's a that's a very early uh, cash flow opportunity for us. Uh, so that adds a bit of capex as well. But in terms of how we're going to fund it, so the first one is we want to see how much cash flow we can generate from early production activities. Uh, DSO is not really our philosophy. It's it's not a strategy that we want to adopt. Uh, now, you know, we never say never if there's a, if, if we see $980 a ton like Paul got for their first 5,000 ton shipment, I, I think it would be foolish not to at least consider that. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned before as well, the, the, the market is cyclic and the DSO market might not exist when we when we in production and you know to to put all your bets on that uh, is risky so the modular unit helps us in a couple of aspects firstly it's early cash flow generation it helps us to train our staff um, so there's there's a lot of skilled staff at the moment but all relating to gold mining so 16 active gold mines at the moment so we want to bring these modular units in and and use that as a training tool for our staff generate early revenue from that. And then the other funding, Piedmont's going to fund the first 70 million from the from the build perspective. Uh, and then there's a 50-50 share from there on onwards. We still have 50% of our sponsoring offtake unencumbered. We've been talking to a couple of people uh, very interested, a lot of interest in Europe. Uh, and then of course, in, in China. Uh, we're not uh, exploring anything other than Piedmont in the US at the moment. You know, they are our founding founding partner. So that's just the, the right way to approach it. Uh, so from an offtake perspective, uh, we'll probably sign sign something up to uh, to ensure and, and close that gap in CapEx. Okay. And You've, um, you've you've retained all your rights to your share of, of the offtake, the, you know, the 50%. What are your thoughts around, you know, where to find a partner in terms of how would Ghana material be treated under the IRA in, in the U.S.? Well, I, I, I'm not sure that that other 50% is going to make it to the U.S., but certainly, so so the 30D tax compensation it relates to how much value is added in, in the U.S. from the raw minerals. So, you know, again, it depends on where that margin sits in conversion. At the moment, the margin sits, you know, as Chris Ellis said, if you've got the rock, you're God. Um, so that's where the margin is at the moment. So as, as the market matures and, and the margins moves to the converter, uh, we think there would be a better benefit uh, to have our product in in country in, in the US, uh, especially on that uh, that ratio at which uh, they determine how much uh, credit you receive. Okay, we're seeing a number of guys. I guess ties into what you've just said in terms of hedging your bets. Would you have any ambitions to partner downstream and become vertically integrated as a chemical producer, possibly with a partner? Well, I would want to see the resource grow to at least. 
70 million tons before we take that seriously. Uh, we've dabbled with the idea uh, and we've looked at a couple of scoping studies in that respect. Uh, but really, you need a critical mass to do that. Uh, we think that's about 200,000 tons uh, per annum. So, you know, with the split with us and Piedmont, we're not quite there yet. Uh, so, but certainly if we grow our resource to 70 million, you also need a longer runway. Uh, at the moment, we've got an 11, 12 year mine life. Uh, you know, if you start now, you might have a facility ready in the next three or four years. Uh, at, at which stage you don't have a lot of mine life left. Uh, but if you have a 70 million ton resource, uh, that changes the dynamics quite significantly. So at the moment, we're not uh, looking at that. We want to see that resource grow first. Okay, well, while we're on that topic, I mean, you've only explored over, I think, 13 square kilometers or a tiny... 3% of the package. 3%. So there seems to be highly prospective opportunities and exploration and are you, are you hoping for big things, uh, Keith? Can people hope for that 70 you're talking about? It looks like there's a lot there. So we, we just conducted a passive seismic, uh, which will re release the results in the next two or three weeks. And we've got three targets we're drilling to test, uh, to see whether the geophysical anomalies we've identified uh, is associated with pegmatite in the first instance, and then more importantly, mineralized pegmatite. And that's just in a very small footprint. We, uh, we did it sort of to identify infrastructure where we want to put infrastructure to, to see if there's any blind pegmatites. And if, if you can, obviously, without giving non-public information away, is can you outline if you've, if you've had any feedback or queries on your mining license application and, and give an updated timeline where you expected approval? Yeah, sure. So we, um, October, we submitted that original application. What's happened since is in February, when we released our resource upgrade, uh, we realized that some of the mineralization actually sits with outside of the boundary that we applied for. Uh, and being uh, such a populated area where we are, uh, there's a monitorium placed uh, on the ML once it's granted. So, you know, no one can encroach on the mining operation. Uh, so we've elected to expand that footprint uh, now uh, instead of waiting. Uh, you could do it at a later stage as well, but you always run the risk of, of influx of uh, people into that area. So that's the one thing we did. We've, uh, we've expanded that footprint. The second thing we've did, we've got two prospect licenses uh, over the mining lease. So with recommendations from Mincom, who's the regulator in Ghana, uh, we've now combined those two prospecting leases into a single prospect lease so that the mining license only applies over one single area, uh, which makes the permitting much smoother and also reporting at the later stage. So we've done that now. We think maybe this quarter still, next quarter at the latest for the initial ministerial approval. Uh, then there's about a 12 month period in which we do uh, EPA. So that consists of environmentals uh, and also RAP. Uh, and then we can break ground within 12 months after we receive this ministerial license. So we're still looking to start construction in 2024. Uh, with first production, sort of the later later half of 25, and then uh, full production rate nameplate uh, in 26. So just to be clear on the EPA and whatever, there is no tailings dams or any of that stuff with the process you're using? We do have a small tailings dam, yes. Uh, so the tailings dam, so, so to put it in perspective, our 
measured and indicated resource at the moment is 28 million tons. Uh, so out of the 28 million tons that, that we can process as, as things stand, one and a half million tons of that is going to go into tailings. So it's a okay, very so small tailing stamp. Very small yeah. tailing stamp. So from that perspective, there shouldn't really be any issues with that. Uh, we don't we don't believe so. Okay, excellent. Thanks for that. How your uh, you know as chairman, I, I'm sure you've involved more on, on this side in terms of Atlantic's relations with with government. They are and uh, and with the projects given their uh, their free carry in the uh, in the project. Uh, what I would say and. Uh... We really appreciate actually the interaction with Mincom. I think they've been really very good with us in terms of working proactively to get us through the licensing hurdles. So as Keith was setting out, we had the issue of enlarging the area. They've guided us through that process. They've been taking us through everything. And, and what we've seen also is a lot of government representatives talking about the importance of the project to Ghana. So we think in, in every way, in the same way as we've had with the community, which has been very supportive. I mean, we have a lot of community projects we employ overwhelmingly from the community. A lot of support there for us to take the project forward. So to be honest, it's a very good feeling in Ghana at the moment that they want to see this project get to production on a good timeline. And you know, that suits us as well. Well, with their carry and, and your quick break even, I'm sure they can understand the maths. Economically, it, it makes sense to mine out the spodumen as, as quickly as possible, subject to whatever constraints there are. Uh, do your larger shareholders feel the same way? Are they um, are they keen to see an accelerated timeline on, on production, you know, volumes? And um, do you see in your discussions uh, sufficient, you know, downstream demand with um, with uh, potential offtake partners that you know early extraction makes complete sense. Uh, I mean, I mean, on the on the the offtake side, I mean, I'm sure the experience is common with other companies. As soon as you you mention offtake, you're inundated with parties interested. And as we we come to the point where we understand what the the full capex will be and an additional funding requirement and the production that we will have. You initiate the conversation. I, I, just to illustrate it, actually, we uh, we had a conversation the other day, and um, the following morning, I think that they immediately met with our finance director to discuss the offtake. I've worked in the industry a long time. I don't think I've seen such a rush to secure offtake as I've seen in this mineral ever. So that that's very impressive in itself. So look, I mean, I think the interest there in in product is is definitely high. Um, um, no let up at all in terms of the interest in, in actually securing future supply. So uh, you, if you, as you can, no matter whatever you can produce, someone will take. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you can see the situation with with, with ever growing demand. Frankly, it will always be a concern that you'll have enough supply to run your chemical plant. So parties interested in securing that supply and indeed other groups coming forth, such as traders now as well, um, Frank, we could produce as much as we want and there would always be someone to take it. Okay, so just on, on that front, when can we expect uh, the uh, DFS? The DFS is coming out this quarter. So uh, we're almost done. We just finished feed with Primera. Uh, about a fortnight ago. So uh, DFS is now in the final stages and we should release that end of June. Okay, excellent.
Atlantic Lithium is listed on AIM, ticker symbol ALL, uh, also on the ASX, ticker symbol A11. Uh, that's a, that's Atlantic's a great name, and that's a great freaking ticker symbol. Uh, hats off to you guys from a, a branding perspective. Um, you're also listed on the OTC in the US, ALLIF. As always, thinking about double entendre and music narratives here, uh, so it came to mind was this uh, 19, I think it was 1986, uh, this big uh, promotion in the U.S. to help Africa, USA for Africa, you know, a collection of rock stars, including the boss, Bruce Springsteen, together with Ray Charles, you know, and Stevie Wonder and many others. So I was kind of thinking this is a USA for Africa for Tennessee, you know, with the boss and you got to be blind not to see the value. I don't know if that's a politically incorrect joke. Sorry. Um, but uh, from a, a U.S. government perspective, there's been a lot of progress all over the world. It's not just the IRA and the 30D, but they were in Australia last week, budding up with Australia. But there's also been, I saw DRC and, and Zambia, the State Department, some MOUs over there. I think Kamala Harris was recently in Ghana. There are various international funding arms of the U.S. government outside of, you know, the Department of Energy Loan Programs Office or the Department of Defense. I think the defense, the DFC, um, Development Finance Corp, has financed uh, a nickel mine um, in Brazil. Uh, what, if anything, I think Piedmont might be in, 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 in talks with that. I don't know if you're coordinating that. If you could just talk about, like, from a, a U.S. government support you know, this is a China, non-China world. Ghana is friendly with the U.S., but I don't, like, if you could just help us out on that geopolitical dynamic as it pertains to Ghana. I mean, what we can clearly see is that USA is back in Africa in a way that I certainly haven't seen it in most of my career in the last 25 years. And as you've said, the vice president was in Ghana and was in Tanzania recently. And we know that they're active elsewhere. Piedmont actually made a visit with the, uh, the U.S. ambassador to see the minister on their last trip. They're planning to make another trip shortly, uh, again, with uh, U.S. government representation. So uh, very much the U.S. is back in Africa and looking at the opportunity of securing supply chain in a way, I, as I said, I, I haven't seen in the last 25 years. Well, that's great. The the whole we've been talking about Biden, you know, since he's come, you know, the, the the electric vehicle agenda has been very strong since he was elected, uh, but also the the mineral security is, is very topical. This whole government approach, multi-year engagement, just where our eyes are open for all pockets of it. And, and a place like Ghana makes a lot of sense that, yeah, I mean, China could be in the DRC, but the U.S. could be in the DRC as well. I just like, I think Ghana is a, it just makes sense, right? That like, like they're smart in the government and they'll figure it out. But uh, hopefully that could help ease financing, you know, maybe ease permitting, uh, speed permitting. Uh, but overall, I think it's a good partnership there. Uh, that was, I think, all that I have, uh, one last advertisement for us is that we've been using Twitter spaces a fair bit. One thing Elon Musk did do was, I think he closed down the Ghana headquarters, right? That was the Africa headquarters, you know, Jack from uh, Twitter, you know, that was kind of his Zen, you know, place to be. 
uh, when Piedmont like entered Ghana, like we brought this up, if it's good enough for Twitter, right, it must be a pretty safe place. But uh, in any event, Elon Musk has done a lot of good things with Twitter and the, these Twitter live Twitter spaces have gotten very good feedback uh, and we've been doing them relatively regularly. So any viewers here of our YouTube channel, just follow us on Twitter. And when we do a Twitter spaces, um, you know, please tune in and it's real time other than, you know, compared to this, which is a curated and edited video. And I think that's it. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Keith Muller, welcome. You know, great new CEO. And Neil, we've also not had you on the podcast, but you've been on many other podcasts we've listened to uh, over the past year. Uh, so glad to have you here for the first time.